0: Particle physics is known for its wacky concepts. Uh, since the beginning of this epic, I've written numerous chapters and made numerous podcast episodes that dealt entirely with the various concepts of particle physics. The many concepts in particle physics that we discussed included, but of course we're not limited to, uh, the Copenhagen Interpretation, Schrodinger's Cat, Wave-Particle Duality, the cork. The standard model of particle physics, the information paradox, the CP violation, among numerous others. I've found that, in spite of the fact that I've written well over 10 chapters that dealt at least somewhat with various concepts in particle physics, there remained yet so many more wacky and odd topics that needed explanation. Future chapters, major foreshadowing, I have Uh, In future chapters, uh, which is major foreshadowing, by the way, I have already begun to formulate um, that include uh, chapters on or episodes on quantum chromodynamics, quantum thermodynamics, potentially, um, but specifically thermodynamics as in the uh, laws of thermodynamics, so like entropy, all that crazy stuff. Um, and other astrophysical and cosmological phenomena, including Lorentz symmetry, which still applies to particle physics, uh, dark matter and dark energy, um, the processes of discovering other planets, among many other topics. Uh, I've decided not to go forward with discovering other planet planets, but uh, all the other episodes we will be doing and learning about. Uh, The next episode will actually be on quantum chromodynamics, so there you go. In chapter 26, we discussed supersymmetry and the problems associated um, with it, and also the problems it could potentially solve. Among the impressive and numerous conflicts solved by supersymmetry is the hierarchy problem, the problem which represents the odd and unusual discrepancies between the weak force and the gravitational force. In that chapter, the hierarchy problem was discussed not in detail and not in factuality, so in this chapter, the hierarchy problem of particle physics is to be investigated and understood. I considered the hierarchy problem to be a uh, problem that dealt entirely with all four of the forces, but it really is entirely the relationship between the weak force and gravity, and you will see many times how that purports to be uh, a significant problem in physics. How the hierarchy between the weak force and the gravitational force appears to be a major conflict in particle physics, as we get into this episode. Uh, un- unlike many other episodes in which there were significant amounts of history that purported or that dealt specifically with the hierarchy pro- or with the specific topics we're using that we are discussing. Unlike, unlike those topics, there really isn't much of a history that deals with this. All I can say is that it was discovered in the 1970s that the conflict was originally, like, was originally purported to exist uh, and discovered, I guess, in the 1970s. Now, the problem with that was that there's no history, so I don't really have much of a history, but we're still going to get into it a little bit. The history of the hierarchy problem is relatively unclear, as I've said, um, but it can be assumed that it arose as measurements of the various forces indicated that various aspects of the weak force were significantly stronger or significantly larger than the gravitational force. Such a conflict likely, and most definitely did, uh, perplex physicists. These physicists had not an idea what was going on um, and what was causing the odd discrepancy, specifically between the aspects of the weak force and the gravitational force. They noted how in many cases the values for some aspects of the three forces, not including the weak force, um, existed around a common value, while the value for the gravitational force, so actually, sorry, my, my fault here, they noted how in many cases the values for some aspects of the three forces, not including the gravitational force, existed around a common value, while the value for the weak nuclear force was, uh, for the gravitational force was, uh, vastly, vastly different. Now, you'll see in the coupling constants of these specific forces that the weak force has a much greater strength or coupling constant than the gravitational force. The coupling constant for the weak force is 10 to the negative sixth power relative to 1. Basically, 1 equals the strong nuclear force. So, the weak force is a a millionth the strength of the strong force. Now, the gravitational force, on the other hand, has a coupling constant of 10 to the negative 39th power. So essentially, you could say that the weak force in many aspects is, has a coupling constant that is like 10 to the 33rd power greater than the gravitational force. So you're, you're seeing an obvious problem here as there's an obvious hierarchy between the weak force and the gravitational force. And that's something that is going to be problematic, and that has already caused many problems in physics, and is one of the reasons why everyone in physics hates gravity with a passion. In the Wikipedia page I have used to research this topic, the article gives a simple thought experiment. Uh, it's really not much of a thought experiment, but considering it's nothing but numbers, but still, it's somewhat of a thought experiment that can help define the oddity of the hierarchy problem. Suppose that a well-defined and highly accurate, in meaning 5-sigma standard deviation, experiment is conducted on some aspect of the universe, which deals specifically with the various forces. So, before we get into this, 5-sigma is essentially like one in a 3.4 million chance that, basically, one out of 3.4 million cases would it actually be, would uh, the result, the outcome of an experiment be due simply to chance. Five sigma is the utmost goal you you would wish. You do not want one sigma. You don't want two sigma. Three sigma is decent. Well, I mean, all the sig. I mean, like two through five, technically it's accurate, but not really. Uh, Four. You really want a four or a five. Uh, Five sigma is like the holy grail of scientific experiments, and that is something that you certainly want. Uh, Now, we're supposing that this is a five sigma experiments. So this experiment has a one and I think it's like one in around 3.4 million uh, chance of actually not being due to actual experimentation, but rather due to chance and due to coincidence. So just imagine that this experiment exists. Uh, when the results of this experiment is provided, uh, suppose the values for the parameters that were experimented upon, uh, let's just call them the forces. they're just gonna be random. Uh, Suppose the values for the parameters are 1, 1 .1, 1.1, 0.87, and 6.7 times 10 to the 29th power. Yeah, 6.7 times 10 to the 29th power. Three parameters in this particular aspect of the universe hold exceptionally similar values, yet the last parameter holds a far greater and seemingly impossible value relative to the other three parameters. A few questions may arise. How is it possible that the universe exists in the stability that it does now, in spite of the fact that there are no, there's such massive discrepancies between the values of one of the parameters and the other three parameters? Why does one parameter hold a significantly greater value, and unilaterally different value from the other three? The best question I could ponder was, how is our universe not lopsided? All of these are profound questions of which all have yet to be answered, Uh, And we still have a very limited understanding of the various parameters in this experiment, and in the parameters of real-life experiments. In this chapter, the answer will not be obtained, but the hierarchy problem and its potential solutions will be pondered. This is one of the first, technically, one of the first problems we have actually faced in physics that I've discussed on this channel that purport, or that deal specifically with something that has not yet to be answered We have the Copenhagen Interpretation, we have the Standard Model. They are technically answered. They're not full, they're not complete. In no way are are they anywhere near complete. But they have been theorized, and there are solutions to them. We know that they exist. We know that our current understanding of the Standard Model is relatively correct. We do not know what we are missing in the Standard Model. The Standard Model is essentially an organizational piece of particle physics and with the hierarchy problem, we have no organizational peace. It exists not, as one uh, from the 18th century may say, it exists not, it does not exist. So, we have a significant problem here, of course, as uh, this is, we have no actual solution, necessarily, that has been observed to the hierarchy problem. Now Another thing is, when we are looking at these specific values for the parameters, which are 1, 1.1, 0.87, and 6 t- 6.7 times 10 to the 29th power, understand that these deal, these are not real parameters, first of all, if you think about the strong nuclear force, it is still a million times stronger, or requires a million times less of a space to basically exist, uh, to create whatever it's called, Uh, basically, it it is much stronger, now, obviously, with 1, 1.1, and 0.87, that's, 1 million is not a big, it's a pretty big difference compared to that, um, but, remember that this is, this lobsidedness is very unusual, specifically because gravity and weak, the weak force are the two weakest forces, and the gravitational force is so many, 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 many times weaker than that of the weak nuclear force, and you'll see this by the smallest mass, uh, which is defined by the Planck mass, which we'll discuss in detail in this episode, uh, which deals with the which can give us a good valid estimate of the actual insane differences between the Higgs field. Which deals with the weak force and gives mass to the bosons, specifically the W plus, W minus, and W, uh, and the Z bosons. And we'll see how the Higgs field is so much smaller, so much lesser of a has such lesser of a mass than the Planck mass. And the Planck mass is the smallest, is the smallest possible black hole. Essentially, that's from what I've seen. From what I've seen, it is the smallest possible black hole. And it is significantly larger, and when I mean significantly larger, you'll see how much larger it is than the Higgs field. The Higgs field, the Higgs boson itself, the Higgs boson couplet, I believe it is, is 250 giga electron volts. That's technically an energy, but it is much, much smaller than that of the the, uh, Planck's uh, mass. So, here's another more real-life example of the discrepancy between the weak force and gravity. Uh, This one is in which uh, gravity holds values greater than the weak force rather than the other way around. Now, this is going to deal with the mass, uh, the Planck mass. So, the smallest black hole possible is represented by the Planck mass, which is 10 quadrillion times greater than the masses of the carriers of the weak force, the W and Z bosons. This indicates that gravity itself is exceptionally weak in comparison to the weak nuclear force, as gravity requires the Planck mass, 1% of the mass of a mosquito, to form a black hole. If the weak nuclear force created black holes, it would require 10 quadrillion times less mass than the Planck mass, and only 1 quintillionth of the mass of a mosquito, to form a black hole. The hierarchy problem deals with the massive discrepancies between different characteristics of the weak. And gravitational forces through the disputed size of the Higgs field. So we, we we see this massive discrepancy. We see that basically the W plus, W minus, and W and Z bosons combined. So we have the double positive, the W positive, the W negative, and the Z bosons, they combined are about 250 gigaelectronvolts. volts. Now this is meager in comparison to the size of the Planck mass. and uh, another thing is the W Z bosons. They basically take up the mass of the Higgs field. So the Z boson is 90 giga electron volts, and the W both of the W bosons each are 80 giga electron volts. The Higgs field itself is 250 giga electron volts, What does 80 plus 80 plus 90 add up to? 250 exactly. Um, but this is the problem: is they're 10 quadrillion times smaller than the gravitational force, the Planck mass, and obviously that creates a significant problem. Before I explain the Higgs field, we're going to get into the Higgs field and the Higgs boson. Uh, Understand that we will be entering a constant string of external concepts that require rugged definitions for there to be even a rudimentary understanding of the Higgs field, and I can guarantee you I'm probably going to get some of this wrong as well, Um, but thankfully I have a good physicist friend to help me. And assist me in these because, first of all, I don't know what abstract algebra is anyways. So, and this deals entirely with abstract algebra. So, we're going to have to hope and pray that, I'm not pray, but hope that we get a little bit of a break here. And that we actually get some of this right. The goal is, of course, to get it right. For we should be scientific, not pseudoscientific. The Higgs field is a special unitary doublet. That's already gonna kill you, I assume, because special unitary doublet, I prob- you probably never heard that word before unless you're already experienced in physics. Um, a special unitary doublet is represented by SU2. Um, the special unitary group is simply a group of elements that do not commute, so that's a matrix. That's literally what a matrix is. Um, if you switched if you switched the positioning or like the location of parameters of a matrix and multiplied it with another matrix you would not get the same value every single time as you would get in the event that you did not switch them around so obviously matrix does not commute it does not follow the commutative property um, and of course if you don't, if you don't understand what the commutative property is this is an except this is This is going to be a problem. (laughs) You probably should figure it out. Um, But if you do understand what it is, this is not an exceptionally difficult concept. Uh, The SU2 group is a 2 by 2 group of matrices. Uh, Matrix multiplication is one of the only situations in which the commutative, the commutative property applies not. That holds three elements, the W plus, or W positive, W negative, and Z bosons, the carriers of the weak force. Uh, one value must be removed so that the determinant can equal 1. The special unitary doublet groups with the circle group, a unitary group of the degree 1, represented by u parentheses 1, which I think creates a symmetry that fills in the final missing value of the 2 by 2 matrix. Now, this was purely my own guess. I have no idea whether it is that, whether that is the case. But from what I've heard, from what I can assume, that is what it actually is. So this basically creates the fourth and final gauge field. So if you translate this to space time, uh, each parameter of the matrices of the matrix creates a gauge field. Um, And this creates the fourth and final gauge field, which once the symmetry is broken, creates the three massive, and massive as in far larger than protons and neutrons, weak force bosons, which are the w positive, the w negative, and the z bosons. And of course, also the photon. The Higgs field contributes mass to the W and Z bosons, the only gauge bosons to have mass. So the gluons, the the hypothesized gravitons, and photons are all massless. So obviously they don't necessarily follow this Higgs craziness in the same way as the W positive, W negative, and Z bosons do. Because they actually receive their mass and exist with mass because of the Higgs field. Um, an excitation of this field—if you don't know what excitation is—I strongly suggest that you search it up—creates uh, the Higgs boson, which is the only scalar boson, which also has a charge of zero and a spin of zero. That's why it's a, the, it, it is a scalar boson because it has a charge because it has a spin of zero. That's that's literally why. There's no there's not necessarily any momentum. It's it's a scalar. It's not necessarily going anywhere. It's it has no momentum, it has no rotational momentum or revolutionary whatever momentum. So obviously it's a scalar boson because of that, and a gauge boson also could be called a vector boson because they do have spin. That's the major difference now. Remember the bosons have spins of integer values, so they could have a spin generally 1. Generally the spin is 1, so I would assume W and Z bosons both have a spins of 1. Uh, And technically the boson itself the gauge boson or the only scalar boson the Higgs boson has a Has a spin of zero which is still an integer and that's why it's a boson I guess (laughs) Uh, Because again fermions half integer bosons integer This field is considered uh, as a scalar field under the Lorentz transformations. We already discussed that Um, these basically the Lorentz transform transformations, if you do not already know what they mean, uh, they are essentially the transformations that occur, the very known vectors and weird odd transformations that occur uh, in the transformation from the Cartesian coordinate system to spacetime. We know what the Cartesian coordinate system is and basically when you go to the spacetime to spacetime we translate points or basically existences in the Cartesian to spacetime, you will experience a specific specified set of Transformations and these are highlighted by the Lorentz transformations So anyways back to the di- disputed size of the Higgs field the non-zero Higgs field has a mass of around 250 Giga volts which we discussed which give us the W and Z particles whose masses add up to 250 giga electron volts because again W positive and W negative bosons both have masses of 80 giga electron volts while the Z boson has a mass of 90 giga electron volts with the current understanding of quantum mechanics it is believed that the Higgs boson mass of 250 giga electron volts would lead it to be unstable quantum mechanics is essentially apply implying not applying implying that the Higgs field has two natural values or masses Uh, From what is known, the Higgs boson should either be a zero Higgs field, or have a mass equivalent to the Planck mass. Yet from what we know, the Higgs field has a size 10 quadrillion times less than the Planck mass. This is merely one conflict that exists within the hierarchy problem. The Higgs field seems simply far too small to be stable in the universe. It is believed that the mass of the Higgs field would leave it susceptible to quantum corrections, in the current understanding of the universe uh, without an outside phenomenon acting upon the Higgs field to keep it stable or without a major conflict in the mass of the Higgs boson itself the Higgs boson because of how it is uh, because of its low mass would be susceptible to quantum corrections in the standard model Uh, this is where solutions like supersymmetry and conformity arise another conflict that arises in comparison between the weak force and the gravitational force deals with the coupling constant A coupling constant is a number that determines the strength of an interaction. Essentially, this constant determines the strength of the various forces during interactions. That's literally what it is. Uh, There's technically a hierarchy existing between the forces excluding gravity, but there is a significant difference between the coupling constant of the weak force, the strong force, and the electromagnetic force, versus gravity. The coupling constant of a value is is a value relative to the coupling constant of the strong nuclear force, that's what I've seen at least, whose constant is represented by 1. The coupling constant of other forces could also be relative to the electron volt, for the constant of the strong force is around 1 electron volt. The electromagnetic force holds a coupling constant of around 1 one thirty seventh, the compared to 1. Uh, the weak force holds a coupling constant of around 10 to the negative 6th power. It's... 10 to the negative 7 to 10 to the negative 6th power, so 1 10 millionth to 1 millionth of the power of the 1, of 1, and the gravitational force holds a coupling constant of 10 to the negative 39th power. Um, Based on the values of, uh, detailed by two different sources, there were some significant differences. There was 10 to the negative 39th and 10 to the negative 45th power. I'm not even going to make this a decimal, though, because I'm sure you understand why 10 to the negative 39th power, I'm not going to even get close to making that decimal because I don't want to. Anyways, one potential conflict that may be faced by one, or that one may face, not, not, I'm not passive, I'm not going to be doing passive tense verbs. Uh, One conflict that one may face when reading this is the fact that there remains a hierarchy, albeit not as impressive, between the strong force, the electromagnetic force, and the weak force. The weak force is still only a millionth as strong as the strong force. Would that not indicate a hierarchy? In a way, it does indicate a hierarchy, but one must remember that the problem is not the hierarchy itself, but rather the reasons for the hierarchy. Now, we don't necessarily know why the, the other forces have a little bit of a hierarchy, but it doesn't make... It at least makes sense under our current understanding of mechanics, of quantum mechanics and particle physics. So we actually understand what is going on, but we don't know why it's happening, don't know how it's happening. But it does work under our current understanding of particle physics. Now the problem is that it does not work when you put in the weak force and the gravitational force, for example. The details of the other forces are well known. Obviously, gravity is not the one that is well known, because it isn't. We don't even know the particle that essentially propagates the force in the first place, so it's obvious that we don't really know that much about gravity. Um, And while it is relatively unknown exactly why the coupling constants of the three forces differ so exceptionally, there exists key details of the forces that simplify the hierarchies of these forces and accentuate the conflicts with the hierarchy problem itself the strong force is stronger than the electromagnetic force because the two forces are simply different in nature the electromagnetic force allow uh, follows the inverse square ra- square law and can interact over infinite distances while the strong force does not follow the law and can interact only in exceptionally small distances. So it involves generally the exchange and maintaining of massive particles, so it cannot occur over light years unlike the photon carrier of the electromagnetic force. Another reason for this discrepancy is that the nucleus of an atom, which is bound by the strong nuclear force, is 10 to the negative 15 power meters uh, while the atom itself is 10 to the negative 10th power meters. The weak force is simply possible at exceptionally short distances and occurs through massive gauge bosons, the W and Z bosons, which are the only gauge bosons to have mass. Now this is another problem. Weak force is also, also only occurs at very small distances. It may be responsible for the sun, it may be responsible for nuclear fusion, but it still only occurs in small distances. Uh, more specifically, the hierarchy problem relates entirely to the weak force and the gravitational force because of Fermi's constant and the Newtonian constant of gravity. If the standard model is used to calculate quantum corrections to Fermi's constant, it is found that Fermi's constant is far too large and should be nearer to Newton's constant. The odd discrepancy is essentially at the foreground of the hierarchy problem. Such massive discrepancies give rise to the major conflicts and questions in theoretical particle physics that are, at this point, well known. How is the universe stable in this hierarchy? How does the weak force have a coupling constant of 10 to the negative 6 power, while the gravitational force has a coupling constant of 10 to the negative 39th power? Whenever the gravitational force is incorporated into physics problems, certainly and are inevitable to arise. There do, though, exist thankfully solutions to the hierarchy problems. Some of which have been discussed in prior chapters. If you or episodes, if you want to see episode 30 or 26, you'll get a little bit of a Indication of some of these problems, of some of the solutions to this problem, specifically the supersymmetrical, supersymmetric theory. That's more of a hypothesis. Uh, One of these hypothesized solutions, while having no observational evidence confirming its existence, holds appreciable and accurate mathematical significance. All of these candidate solutions are applicable and are therefore theoretically accurate, but the strong conflict that always arises in theoretical physics is observation. Observation with many of these solutions is, is exceptionally difficult, especially with the first proposed solution. Well, not even, basically with every proposed solution. So the probability of near future observational confirmation of any of these hypotheses seem distant. The most popular and most well-known hypothesized solution to the hierarchy problem is, unsurprisingly, supersymmetry. Supersymmetry is a conjectured relationship between the two main classes of elementary particles, the fermions and the bosons. In supersymmetry, each particle of one group would have a supersymmetric partner, which is essentially a superpartner in the other group, uh, with the major differences being in their spins. In an unbroken supersymmetry, two superpartner particles would share the same mass and quantum characteristics, like charge, etc., but would have a half-integer difference in their spins. In spontaneously broken supersymmetry, unbroken versus broken, essentially, superpartners would share the same internal quantum numbers, but would not share the same mass or the same spin. This particular supersymmetry is what is believed by physicists to be, once observed in a particle uh, accelerator, the first observed instance of supersymmetry, spontaneous broken supersymmetry. There is not yet any observational evidence of supersymmetry, but it is still a leading candidate to solve not only the hierarchy problem, but fill in many of the holes in the incomplete standard model. Supersymmetry occurring close to the electroweak scale, which is 246 gigaelectron volts, again, which is the unification energy, of the electromagnetic force and the weak force, where the two forces combined to a unified force, the electroweak force, essentially solves the hierarchy problem. And also remember, 246 giga electron volts is extremely similar to 250. And actually, Higgs field, combination of weak force and electromagnetic force, boom, electroweak force. Um, in the standard model, the electroweak scale experiences massive quantum corrections that occur from scales ten quadrillions time, times greater in mass than the Higgs field, Planck mass, my friends. Um, this creates an odd hierarchy that has been discussed in detail earlier in this chapter. In supersymmetry uh, theories, on the other hand, the Planck scale quantum corrections that the electroweak weak scale is subject to are essentially cancelled out by a superpartner electroweak scale. The second proposed solution to the hierarchy problem is known as the conformal solution. This hypothesis proposes that the hierarchy problem can be resolved through the parameters of the standard model by itself, thus not requiring any additional theories or outside particles, or in the case of supersymmetry, an entire new set of particles, but it still does require new... It still is going to require a new particle, unfortunately. Um, from what I've read, it seems that without the mass term, also the mass term is a quadratic term in the Higgs field, which will be important in the understanding of this concept, of the Higgs field, there exists no hierarchy. If the mass term were taken out of the Higgs field, quadratic, electroweak symmetry would break. So there would be n- no need uh, for a mechanism or a particle that could unbreak the symmetry. If the Coleman-Weinberg mechanism, see the link in the description, which refers to particles that appear symmetrical but are actually undergoing uh, spontaneous supersymmetry breaking because of quantum corrections is correct, then this this technically would be true. This theory or hypothesis, more like, would be able to essentially exist... Uh, because the masses that result from this spontaneous supersymmetry, bra- uh, su- not spontaneous symmetry breaking, are so exceptionally small, small, there would need to be multiple Higgs bosons composed of different masses. The problem with this is that evidence supports only. There's literally no evidence that supports multiple Higgs bosons. It seems that the standard model-based conformal solution may not be a viable solution. Um, that is, unless we discover a second Higgs boson. The final potential dis- solution to be discussed in this is the solution via extra dimension- dimensions, which quite obviously means adding more dimensions. In the typical three-space and one-time dimensional world, Newton's law of gravitation is followed. When extended to n, n being any integer greater than zero, it is represented in the equation as delta, delta of course being any integer, Uh, dimensions, and if the dimensions are larger than the other four dimensions of known space-time, the Planck mass, which is exceptionally large in the known dimensions, would be exceptionally small in the higher dimensions, thus gravity would actually be far stronger than it is purported to be, which essentially resolves the hierarchy problem. A major model for extra-dimensional solutions are the brain world models, you may have heard of these. In 1998, three physicists, Nima Arkani-Hamed, Savas Demopoulos, and Gia-Valli uh, proposed the ADD model, A-D-D, because of their last names, not attention deficit disorder, of course, which essentially adds large dimensions that only gravity, gravity can propagate in. The standard model is relatively unaffected and continues to operate in four dimensions, but gravity propagates and operates in several additional dimensions that have different Planck values than in space-time. That same year and the subsequent year, the physicist Marib. Gog Barashvili, Gog Barashvili, maybe, probably, undoubtedly, am butchering that word. Published a series of scholarly articles, hypothesizing that if the universe were to be pictured as a thin cell, shell, not cell, thin shell, or a brain. That, that expands into five dimensions. It is possible to obtain one scale to particle theory that corresponds to the cosmological constant, which is the energi- energy density of space that arises in Einstein's field equations. And then, and when particle theory and, and when particle theory and the cosmological constant correspond, the hierarchy problem is essentially solved. The extra dimension solution has the same problem the conformal solution has, and that is no observational evidence. Yes, supersymmetry has no observational evidence either, but it still coincides with the standard model and does not require the existence of new non-superpartner Higgs bosons. And also, there's no direct non-indication that supersymmetry does not exist. There's no direct uh, conflict with supersymmetry's existence. That's why it's still the most well-believed. The extra dimension solution has been severely constrained due to results from the Large Hadron Collider. Now, this has not really as much happened with supersymmetry, we kind of know why we can't see it. Um, not a single solution presented to solve the hierarchy problem has any ob- observational evidence that apl- implies it ex- its existence. This is the problem that always, we always face with gravity. Uh, and there is no question that us humans are missing something when it comes to the hideously confusing and misunderstood universe of gravity. Anyways, the hierarchy problem is only one of the many conflicts that arise when one attempts to explain gravity. This is a reason why gravity as a force is not even included in the standard model. It is not in the standard model. If you look it up, you will see that there are three forces. The strong force, the weak force, and the electromagnetic force. But there is not the gravitational force in the standard model of particle physics. Surprisingly, actually really more like unsurprisingly, for gravity is extremely hard to understand and even the greatest physicists in the world do not understand the very smallest bit about it. Relativity, general relativity itself, deals entirely with gravity, and it is not even the most accurate it could possibly be. It is nowhere near the perfect grand unified theory, for we don't even know about the, quantums. We, what about the quantum world. The quantum world in gravity is much different from the, uh, from the relativistic world in gravity. The Einsteinian, as one may say. Anyways, thank you all for listening, and as always, have a good morning, afternoon, evening, and night. If you would like to support the podcast, which I'm not going to ask you to do too much, uh, please click the link in the description of my channel and send a donation. As I say every episode, I have 12 years of college ahead of me, and I would like to be able to pay for it. But anyways, take care and stay curious.